RP3 is ready to step his game up and grab the mic for the latest edition of the Rap Game Podcast. Here is Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. To become a Louisiana Sports Hall of Famer, you usually have to succeed at not only one level, possibly two, a lot of times three different levels. And guess what? Our guest on this week's episode of the Rap Game Podcast did just that. He was a star, correct, scratch that, a superstar at St. Augustine High School down in New Orleans. His last two seasons, he led his team to a 66-5 and overall record. It ended with the 1992 Class 5A state championship. He was named Mr. Basketball for the state. He'd go on to surprise many by signing with Villanova, the Big East power, scoring the most points ever by a Wildcat, the most steals. When he left, his number 30 is retired. He was the Big East player of the year, a consensus All-American. He'd go on to be a lottery pick, number 8 overall by the New Jersey Nets, played nine years in the association, including appearing in back-to-back NBA Finals. He will be inducted in just a few weeks in Natchitoches into the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame. It's our privilege to welcome to the Rap Game Podcast the one and only Carrie Kittles. Carrie, good day to you, sir. How you doing, bud? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me. That's, that's quite the uh, the welcome there. Hey, bud, you did all the work. I'm just reading from a piece of paper. You're the one that put in all the blood, sweat, and tears there in the gym to make that happen, to have such a storied career. Uh, we'll get to uh, how you feel and how honored you are to be inducted into the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame uh, later on in our conversation. But I want to start out uh, from where it all began, down there in New Orleans at St. Aug. Uh, tell me a little bit. What was it like playing for Bernard Griffith, the head coach? It was um, it was a it was a great experience. I I would say that um, you know my basketball career actually really jumped off prior to Saint Aug. Um, you know we 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 had a select group of kids throughout the city of New Orleans that played on an annual All Star team, and that travel team, um, all of us went off to high school and did really good things at our particular high schools. And that really prepared me for St. Aug. So I came in at St. Aug, you know, knowing that Coach Griff was, was a tough coach to play for, knowing that there were a lot of talented athletes, uh, not just basketball players, even football and track uh, athletes. So I, I was prepared. I was prepared to deal with, with Coach Griff and his rigorous practices and his demands. But, um, but it was fun. You know, he really taught us the game. He taught us um, to, to always respect the game the right way, to play the game the right way. And... Um, and then just work hard. And, and so that work ethic uh, carried me throughout my career. I would definitely say that. You know, your last two seasons, you guys put together a, a phenomenal run. You, you went 66-5. and five. I mean, you guys barely ever lost. I know the junior season ended uh, with disappointment. How much did that fuel you guys for the next year when you guys ended up winning it all, winning the Class 5A state championship? Yeah, it, it definitely um, prepared me at least. You know, that my junior year, we had so many great athletes. I didn't even start my junior year. That's how talented we were. Say, um, say, say what, Kerry? Time out. Time out. You, you, you didn't even start your junior year? No, I didn't start. I came off the bench. We had we had guys go Division One my junior year, and we probably had another two or three other go Division One in football that also played basketball. And they were great. I mean, they were really talented players. You know, Pointer Williams went to Tulane. Uh, John Rondino went to Northern Arizona. We had some talented players, so... Um, I came off the bench that year. We lost in the uh, in the finals to the Dwayne Spencer team, coined. But, uh, but but I learned a lot as a junior. I learned a lot about leadership skills, and I learned a lot about what it takes to win it all. And so you're right. We came back hungry my senior year, 
and we had uh, we had a pretty good group of kids, and um, and I led us all to to um, to a title. Talk a little bit about that senior season. When did you know, as a competitor and as a member of that team, and playing for coach, and, and he was a hard nosed coach? But when did you guys know that you had what it took to win it all? Was there a moment during the season where you're like, "We're the best team on the floor"? I don't know if there was any moment. Um, you know, we we, we kind of knew most of the players throughout the state. You know, we knew about Marcel Scott, one of my closest friends. Um, you know, over at Kennedy. Um, you know, obviously Dwayne was still that coin. Um, and then, um, you know, up north you had Scotty, you know, Scotty up in, up north um, doing his thing. So we knew we had to be prepared for those teams and those schools. And, you know, we just focused on ourselves, you know, our district play. You know, we, we had a pretty good record in district play. Um, you know, I, I think we may have lost one or two. Uh, Cohen was, I mean, I'm sorry, Shaw was really good with uh, Dutch Willoughby over there. But, uh, listen, we knew we, had, we were going to have a chance. You know, after after my junior year and seeing some of the schools, we knew we'd have a chance uh, once the postseason came around and everything just fell together. Everything just fell together. Tell me a little bit about your recruiting process because obviously you had to be one heck of a ball player to have the likes of Villanova out of the Big East coming down to New Orleans to recruit you. Uh, how crazy was it for you back then in the in the early 90s, especially uh, being a star basketball player here in the state? Yeah, it was crazy. I, I tell you what, Dwayne Spencer was, was the guy. Dwayne Spencer at Corn was bringing all the college coaches to Louisiana to come watch him play. And all of us just got, you know, some slim pickings off of, off of Dwayne's, uh, you know, his, his talent. So by him attracting a lot of coaches to come watch the AAU teams play and watch us play, you know, we got a lot of eyes on us. And so that's kind of how we started getting recruited. Most of us were, were just, you know, teammates of Dwayne in the summer. And playing with him uh, on, on, the, on the AAU team, on the AAU circuit, and, and, and so recruiting just kind of picked up from there. And um, you know, I started making my list and, and started following different programs. You know, I, I, I loved Arkansas; that was one of my top choices. Scotty Thurman wound up taking that taking that spot from me. Um, but you know, I was, I was primarily recruited in the in the, in the southeast uh, SEC schools um, along the coast, and so. You know, I followed those programs, and then you know, I got some schools from the Northeast as well, and and just started to like Villanova from early early on. Now, for you, Kerry, the, the man who'd been long been a fixture there at Villanova led him to a national championship. He departs before you arrive, and the new coach comes in, and he makes it a priority to come to New Orleans to make sure that you're still committed. Walk us through that process. What was that like, having been recruited by one coach, and then have that coach leave, and now you got a new coach coming in. And why did you ultimately decide that you still wanted to go to Villanova, even though they made a coaching change? Yeah, that was that was very interesting, and I never forget the day. You know, when I left, was leaving school uh, on April April first, nineteen ninety two. That was the day that um, you know we got the news that he left. Uh, Roland Massimino left and took a, took a job, and um, and so that was crazy process. You know, eighteen year old kid, um, you know, having to figure out. Do I still want to go to that school and play for a coach that I know nothing about, who never recruited me, and um, to kind of start that process a little bit over again? Um, but at the end of the day, I, I honored my commitment. I gave him a chance. You know, I didn't want to have to sit out a year or possibly two years. You know, if you, if you transfer schools after you sign a letter of intent, so I decided to go up there and give it a chance, see what it was like, 
And once I got to school, I got a chance to really realize that it was mostly the school that I chose and not necessarily the coach. Now, Kerry, I've lived in the uh, Midwest. I know what it's like to live in a climate where it actually gets cold and there's snow and icicles and frozen conditions. You went even further, my friend, by going to Villanova. Uh, How did the young man from uh, the Crescent City deal with uh, adjusting to uh, living uh, up there in the uh, big, Big East country? Yeah, that was interesting. You know, I, I, I've seen snow only once when we played in the tournament up in, uh, actually right near Villanova in Westchester, Pennsylvania. We played in the tournament there when I was 11. And, um, so I'd seen snow before, but yeah, you know, we you never forget like freshman year when all the students are running outside during the first snowstorm and they have the big snow fight going on, on you know, on, on the campus and, uh, you join in, you don't know what the hell is going on until you start seeing these. <laughs> these huge snowballs flying at your head. So that was fun, you know, just to, just to experience a different climate, to be around, um, you know, folks that, you know, it's a totally different culture than being in Louisiana. So, you know, I always wanted to try to branch out and have a different college experience than, what, than where I grew up. So that, you know, in the event that I were to ever move back to Louisiana, I would, I would be a more well-rounded person. So um, it was fun, you know. And then when you're in Philadelphia, you know, you're what? Two hours from Washington D.C. You're two hours from New York City, so you know you have the Jersey Shore. So you know you, you have so many different uh, cultures to experience, um, and, and I welcome that that as a young kid. How difficult was it making the adjustment from being a guy who was a star, playing you know summer ball, AAU ball, and being a high school star to playing in the Big East? Yeah, it was uh, it was daunting at first, you know, because you don't really know, right? Like you play in AAU tournaments nationally, and you got a chance to see other kids. But um, you know, I was pretty confident that I, w- I would fit in. I was pretty confident that I would at least be a rotational player and get in the game and play, and not just be on the bench. Um, and so, you know, once I got a chance to, to play with those guys, and we had some practices and some pickup games, you know, I, I knew I, I knew I fit in, and I knew that I could compete on that level. Uh, right away, and so I was really excited after that. You know, I was like, "Oh, these kids aren't really, you know, as good as I thought they were going to be." So, um, you know, I knew I had some work ahead of me. No question about that. You know, definitely playing college, you have to make an adjustment. You know, and um, and I did that. My coaches were really challenging and, and pushing me. So, um, but I embraced it. Right, you know, I was prepared. As it was once before, I was prepared prior to getting to St. Og, and then Griff prepared me for college. I mean, if you play for Coach Griff. You could play for anybody. So in that regard, um, you know, I, I didn't have many challenges with, 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 with adjusting, you know, because I was, you know, my mindset was different. I had a different approach than most people did. So um, that was really that was really helpful. And, and, and then, you know, obviously you start to embrace the legacy of playing in the Big East. You're going to be on television a couple of times. You're going to have to play against these schools in the Big Five. You know, no, no, those rivalries against UPenn and Temple and LaSalle, those are big rival games. So um, it was fun. It was, uh, it was a new experience for me and, 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 and playing with, with the kids I'd never seen before and against, um, you know, these big, strong college players. You're there at Villanova, and uh, you have a, a, a tremendous career. You help lead them to uh, the NIT championship. Uh, the following year, you help lead them to the Big East tournament championship you were named Big East player of the year consensus all american you earned Big East honors three times 
the Big East is known for being filled with some of the best players in the country. And that started in the late 70s through the 80s, and especially during your time as well. I mean, you played during the same time where Allen Iverson was at Georgetown and Ray Allen was at UConn. Uh, what was it like going up knowing that you were in a conference with the best of the best in the country and you would play guys like Ray and like AI year after year. You're, you're playing the best of the best, Kerry. What was that like? That was fun, you know, because I can remember, you know, in high school watching those games, watching, you know, the Georgetowns playing at Syracuse and watching Derek Coleman and watching, you know, Alonzo and, and Dikembe. And, you know, we had a lot of Louisiana kids go up to Georgetown and play for, for uh, Coach Thompson. So I followed those programs, and I used to watch as a kid, um, you know, the Big East and the ACC matchups. And so I was – I embraced it, man. Like, you know, back then as a competitor, you know, you're playing against some of those top schools, those top programs, and then obviously, you know, there's those individual talented players who are, you know, also All-Americans and who are making a name for themselves. So I wanted to be in that conversation. You know, I, I figured I knew I could play with those guys, and I was doing really well. And and then so you just keep pushing more for more and more, and and trying to to be you know a top player in, in the in the country. And and I think that's every 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 basketball player's dream, right? Is to be on a winning team, part of a a, a, a you know a, a school that has a lot of rich tradition around around that particular sport. And and then after that, it becomes about winning, and then it becomes, you know, you, you get the individual accolades after that. So um, it was fun. You know, it was it was uh, a lot of fun. And, you know, we look back on those memories now, and it's just, it's just amazing, really. Who was the toughest guy that you ever went one-on-one with in, inside a game? Oh, man. I, I, you know, I would say Lawrence Moten at Syracuse. Lawrence Ooh. Moten, we you know, played the same position, and uh, – you know, he and I had some some legendary matchups, and then obviously against Ray Allen uh, at, at uh, UConn. You know, playing against him, you know, that was some pretty pretty interesting matchups as well. Most difficult place to play in the Big East Conference for you, or it could be a couple of them. But you know, when you went there, you're like, man, we got to make sure to bring our game because the fans are going to be just brutal, or the gym, the way it was not designed, the floor, whatever it may be, or maybe just a program. What was the the, mm-hmm. the toughest place for you guys? when you were at Villanova to go play at? So by far, by far it was Syracuse. And and then, you know, Syracuse was, was the hardest place to play because it's 33,000 people. I mean, <laughs> it's like 33,000 fans. You look up and you're like in the dome and the basket, you know, is just sitting there in the middle of nowhere. It's just like that's a crazy place to play. And then, you know, but we all look forward to playing the Madison Square Garden. And so we got a chance to play there. Twice a year, you play St. John's in the Garden, usually, uh, although we played on once or twice on their campus. Um, but mostly, you know, the Garden, right, for the Big East tournament. When that happens every year, uh, every player in the Big East really looks forward to playing in that historic, iconic building. And, I mean, there's nothing like that horn. There's nothing like the locker rooms there and, and nothing like the fans in Madison Square Garden. I want you to elaborate on that, Kerry, because – when you talk to people who actually played the game and played the game at a high level, 
they always talk about the garden's mystique and how it feels different when you walk in there. Zion Williamson, the New Orleans Pelican star, calls quite a stir when yep. he said, I've always dreamed about playing in the garden. It was a great experience, yep. and he loved it. And, it, you know, people are like, oh, no, that means he's going to New York. I'm, and I try to tell people, I'm like, no, it's just the Mecca. He he, he gets to play inside the garden for a competitor. What, why is that place so special? I just think it's because of all of the talented uh, entertainers, all of the talented athletes um, that have graced that building and with their talents and played and performed. And as musicians, that's artists, that's every, everybody that goes in the garden and, and annually and, you know, you watch concerts and then you watch the, the, the games, right? You got hockey there, you got the Knicks there. And you watch what Jordan did there when he was the Bulls. You watch what Reggie Miller did there. And you're like, I'm on the same floor. I'm on the same floor where Jordan scored 55 in the playoffs. I'm on the same floor where Reggie Miller, you know, how, how many points he scored down the stretch against the Knicks and, you know, and, and was mouthing off to, to Spike Lee. So that, that, that is a unique experience that I, I think you, you have to be there to, to, to experience it and to explain it. Words can't describe what it's like when you are in your uniform, you're with your team, and you're warming up, and you're on that floor, and those lights are on, and then that horn goes off. It's like <laughs> it's majestic. It really is. It's like, it's like no other experience. So, yes, I, could, I, I definitely understand what Zion said when he mentioned that um, you know, a month or so ago. Kerry, we lost a, a great legend, um, a man who uh, broke down, uh, broke a lot of barriers uh, in John Thompson, the Georgetown coach. From afar, he always looked to be one of the more intimidating figures in sports, uh, regardless if it, player or coach. Uh, what, what was he like just in your experience as going up against his team? Was he as intimidating as he always appeared to be on television and in in interviews? Oh yeah, he was. He was. He <laughs> you didn't a, hesitate. He, You're like, oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh, there's no question about it. Coach Thompson has a had a presence about him that was I, I I haven't seen it. You know, I remember as a kid. You know, you you would see him with the towel over his shoulder, and you know he coached some big guys. And and when there was ever a dead ball, you would see them sprinting over to him as a group. I mean, he had he was so. Yeah, and so you saw that in his teams and how hard they played. I mean, you played against Georgetown, it felt like you were playing against seven players instead of five. And, and um, yeah, you know, I, I had some private conversations with him years later, and I told him, I said, you know, why didn't you recruit me? You came down to Louisiana, you picked out all these talents, Joey Brown and, and Dwayne Bryan and, and Perry McDonald, all these guys, uh, you know, go up and play, and Jaron Jackson, they go up and play play for you, but you didn't recruit me. And, uh, and he laughed about it. It was like, oh, you know, we already had your position. You know, we didn't need guards that year or something like that, he said. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, he was a, a great coach and a great mentor to all those players in the Patrick Union. And I was actually fortunate to be at Georgetown a couple of summers ago, and um, I was training some some, some kids there. And um, and, it, and we, were, we were using the gym, and I was in the gym with uh, John Thompson, um, Alonzo Morning, and um, what was it the Kimmy Mutombo? And we were all in the gym, just like talking. And I'm just like, I can't believe I'm in the gym right now 
with them. And then Patrick Ewan, of course, was there because he's coaching at Georgetown. And it was just such a, a cool moment to be, you know, we had our chairs pulled up and we we're just talking, just like the five of us, you know, and it was amazing. Oh man, that is that is just I'm just visualizing that in my head right now, and just can't imagine uh, what you guys were able to discuss in that kind of little, little round ta- uh, round table discussion, so to speak. Carrie, if you had to pick one moment, and I know it's sometimes difficult to do so, but if you had to pick one moment, your favorite moment, to, uh, your favorite moment, or maybe the moment that best kind of describes your time at Villanova, what would that be? Um, I would say the Big East tournament win. You know, our, our school had never done that. That you know, that you know, under Roley, they had won the championship in '85, but they had never won the Big East tournament. Um, and so that was that was fun. So 1995, we we're having a good, a very, very good season, and then we we cap it off by winning that tournament. And it was it was such a, a, a you know, for our program and for our team to accomplish that. We, we we didn't come off that high, and that's why we wound up losing in the first round of the NCAAs because of, you know, we just didn't come down from from winning that tournament. Um, but that moment was a great moment for for, for me and for and for our team, um, just because of our tradition and all those great pro, all those great teams, you know, prior to us having have never had never accomplished that. So you know that was awesome, and, and of course, once again, it's in Madison Square Garden, so. You win that tournament there, and you're cutting down the net in Madison Square Garden. I mean, that was the best moment in college for sure. You leave Villanova, the leader in most points scored with 2,243 points. You also were uh, the all-time leader in steals. What was it about you, Kerry? Uh, did, did you take pride in the fact that you could do both? That, that, that you were not only you could score and you could score at will, but you could also play. Uh, great defense. Yeah, I mean, I, I once again credit Coach Coach Griff and you know all my high school coaches um, because they prepare you on both ends of the court, and and you know that was one of the things you had to do in order to earn time in high school was play defense. We we had we had defensive drills probably more so than we had offensive drills in high school, and so you learn how to. Um, Stop your guy. You learn how to influence the game on that end of the court. And so once my scoring picked up and I became a really consistent scorer, that, that you know, matched my defensive abilities and getting steals and anticipating and all that stuff made me a more complete basketball player. So, um, you know, I brought all of that from high school to Villanova. And, you know, my my long arms and my length was really you know a catalyst for that, and just it just really created a lot of <laughs> a lot of havoc for my for my my opponents, and so I was able to take advantage of that and 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 put my hustle and my effort and and not not to quit on some plays, and so all all that grit from my upbringing in New Orleans is the reason why I had such success um, at Villanova, and and definitely why. I hold those records. You leave Villanova. You obviously you go into the NBA draft. You're a lottery pick, uh, selected number eight overall by the New Jersey Nets. What was that like for being a, a kid growing up playing basketball in New Orleans to get there and hear your name called as a lottery pick? That was a, that was a cool moment because I, I, I think 
you know, I, I wasn't one of those kids that was growing up saying, I'm going to go to the NBA. People just didn't do that back then, especially from a small town like New Orleans, and you're going to go play up in the Big East, in New York City area, and, and Philadelphia, and all in, in D.C., and Baltimore, all those great players. And so I'm just thinking this, I'm going to go to college, I'm going to play, I'm going to be on the team, I'm going to get minutes, and, 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 and graduate from college and get my degree. And if it works out after that, great. If not, no big deal. So to be able to have that kind of success in college, and then to be drafted and shaking David Stern's hand on that stage um, that early in the first round was, you know, it's—I don't even know what to say. Really, it's—it's it's, uh, <laughs> uh, a crazy, a crazy accomplishment for for someone like me who just really loved to play. You know, I, we, my friend Marcel Scott, best friend, all we did was play play pickup basketball. That's all we did all summer long. We played on parks. We played at Loyola, in Loyola College in New Orleans. We played at Tulane. All we did was just hoop because we loved the game. And then to have that be, um, you know, something that just happens organically, you know, you get those accomplishments and then you put yourself in that position to be drafted. It's just a culmination of, of a lot of hard work, but it's also just, you know, a love of the game of basketball. You still fondly remember that moment being on stage, shaking hands with uh, – Stern, do you still have that baggy suit you wore on draft night, my man, which was the style back in the late 90s? Uh, they, they don't wear those type of suits anymore. Uh, <laughs> no, you, you still you, you no, still have no. the, the suit, the, the, no, the, the, suit no, with the, the baggy well. suit? Actually, you know what? My mom may have that suit. It's funny you ask that question. So when I'm home for this award ceremony, I'm going to go over and ask her if she has it. But <laughs> I, I don't have it here in New Jersey, but maybe she kept it as a – she keeps a lot of my stuff home in New Orleans. So I – I'll ask you if she have that suit there. She might, actually. <laughs> I know I don't have the tie. I know I don't have that tie. <laughs> how, um, how easy did you find it making the transition from consensus All-American at Villanova to NBA starter? You know, it was, uh, it was fun. You know, once again, you're faced with another challenge. And I was fortunate to play for a first-time NBA coach. My first couple of years was with John Calipari. So he had come from college just like me. And so we, we learned the NBA together, and we learned that what it took to be a professional, you know, as a professional athlete and a professional coach. So um, that was fun. You know, it was, you know, another learning curve, and you're playing against your idols and people you watch on TV. And, um, you know, you step on the court. You know, I'm guarding Reggie Miller. You step on the court, and I'm guarding Michael Jordan. And you step on the court, and I'm, <laughs> I'm guarding Grant Hill. It's like, wait, <laughs> pinch me, right, and Penny Hardaway. So, it was a uh, it was a crazy moment um, in my life to, to to be on that you know on that NBA court and to play in some of those arenas across the country and to travel and you know it's a first class league and, and, and compete and um, you know it's just a wonderful league the NBA is. Uh, do you have a, a favorite Jordan story? Did did, did you uh, did, did you kind of get the best of them in a matchup or did, did he get the best of you there, Kerry? Uh, I think Jordan pretty much won almost every matchup. No, no, no one will ever sit here and tell you that they beat Jordan. But I had a couple, couple of good plays against him. And um, you know, whenever you're playing against Michael, he never talked. He never said a word. He would just like look at you. You know, he would just look at you, and uh, and, uh, and or maybe he would just chuckle to himself, like you know, you make a nice move against him, and he would just chuckle, laugh, like whatever. 
Um, well, did, no, Jerry, I, did, did, did that make it even worse? Kind of like, because I've, I've, I've talked to people before, and the fact that he just kind of chuckled is almost dismissive, right? You, you just did something really good against uh, the man that's considered the greatest of all time, and he just kind of chuckles about it and just kind of walks off. Does that is, does, is that even worse than maybe talking trash to you? No, because he did to everybody. It wasn't like, you know, it was it, Gary Payton. I'll never forget Gary Payton, you know, uh, stole the ball from Michael Jordan, goes down the court, dunks the ball, and he's like running his mouth looking at Michael. And I'll never forget, I was in college watching the game. And, uh, and, and, and Jordan is just like laughing at him. He's just like, like, he's just not. So I, I, I didn't take it personal. I think, I think that was who he was. You know, no one could get inside Michael Jordan's head. You know, Jordan was, uh, already, you know, two steps ahead of everybody. Even the greatest players like Clyde Drexler and Reggie Miller, you know, I think were two of his toughest competitors and, and Mitch Richmond. Um, so, no, it was fun. It was always fun playing against him. And I had, had some veterans on my team who, who had played against him, obviously, for many years. And, um, you know, give you advice and stuff like that. So it was, it was always a challenge. Let me ask you this. Were you ever kind of starstruck? I remember famously Shaq as a rookie kind of asked for Jordan's autograph. And you've seen it a, a, a little bit more over the years where guys are, you know, starstruck. This is the guy I grew up playing. And you said, you know, you grew up watching these guys on TV and, and everything like that. Was there a moment, especially that rookie season, when you earned all rookie team honors that you found yourself a little starstruck at all? I would say early on, you're probably starstruck a little bit. Um, your, your first couple of games in the NBA, I think um, just being in the presence of some of those players, if you're me and you grew up in New Orleans and you didn't see these guys on a regular basis, you know, like some of these guys who grew up in the Northeast, you know, you may have gone to some basketball games and watched the game up close, or you may have gone to five-star basketball camp and maybe have met some college players before they went to the NBA. Or, or stuff. So, but I didn't have that experience. So, yes, my first time. Well, actually, it was a preseason game. We played um, Orlando in Japan, and um, actually, no, it was a regular season game. First games were in Japan. We played the Orlando Magic, and of course, my first time on the court against Penny Hardaway. I was like, I can't believe I'm, this is this is happening. Like, you know, and you know, and then, then quickly when he makes a move on you, it's over. It's out of your head again. It's just basketball, right? But initially, you know, those first couple games, you know, I will remember, you know, um, Orlando, um, definitely Indiana against Reggie. For me, he he was somebody I watched a lot, you know. But then after that, it's it just, you know, you're just a normal player after that. You played with one of the best to ever do it, Jason Kidd. What was that like being on the court with him and uh, you guys and all the success that you had together there with the Nets? Yeah, that was a, that was a great experience for me. Um, I, I think anytime you're in the presence of greatness and you're gonna and you're playing with a future Hall of Famer and you know it at, at, at that time, you know it doesn't matter who it is. It's an amazing experience because you know that those Hall of Fame players are are just elite, talented players, right? Because you have the best players in the world playing in the NBA, and then you have the very small number that are going to go to the Hall of Fame. And when they when they're your teammates. That's a fun experience <laughs> because especially when they're your, your backcourt mate like Jason was, I played with him for three years. So, you know, just finding our chemistry and cohesiveness together, um, feeding off of one another, I did. My skill set was was uh, ideal for him. 
I was a fast player. He liked, you know, he played with speed and pace. You know, he was always looking for assists, and I was a finisher. So I scored and got him a lot of assists. So it was always fun. And he also liked to compete on the, on the defensive end of the court, which I always loved playing defense too. So we had we had so much in common um, on the court, and um, it was just you know fun playing with him for three years. And we go to, we played against Shaq and Kobe in two NBA Finals, right? And I'm playing with Jason Kidd, so that was um, probably the, the highlight, of, definitely the highlight of my professional career. Before we get to those back-to-back final appearances that you guys were a part of there with the Nets, you had to overcome. Uh, a, a severe injury. You missed uh, all of the 2000 to 2001 season, correct, Kerry? Because of your recovery from knee surgery. Walk me through that. Remind me, how did you injure? How did you suffer the injury? And what was the rehab process like for you? And, and did it ever get too daunting? Did you ever go, well, maybe this is a wrap. Maybe I'm done. Yeah, so I, I, I had a couple of knee operations. And then the doctor said, you know, listen, you know, your cartilage is, is, is a problem. Um, you know, and at the time it was a career ending injury for a, a lot of, a lot of players. And so there were, uh, you know, some procedures that, that they tried to, um, to help athletes come back from. And so I did, did the, did the surgery and started my rehab that summer. And, um, you know, I went to California and was rehabbing out there in LA. I had a, I had a great physical therapist. And, um, you know, it was, it was good for me just to, just to clear my head and to not think about basketball that much and just kind of focus on, on my life and, and, you know, obviously think about what's going to happen after basketball. And then if I'm able to play again, great. If not, you know, I, I gave it a shot, right? So, um, you know, but rehab went really well and my knee healed and, you know, I came back to rejoin the team that following year. And we, you know, we, we had just traded for Jason Kidd that summer. So, you know, it was just off and running. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's whenever you're out for a season, you know, you know, you watch a lot of these guys, they have ACL injuries or you watch Kevin Durant, you know, he had his Achilles injury, miss a whole season of, of competing. And, um, you know, there's a lot of questions around it, right? So, uh, will he ever be the same? Will he ever be able to play again? All those things. So, you come back with the with the with the fresh mindset and a renewed spirit about you, and um, I was ready to go. I was excited to play again, and you know we had a different team. We had um, you know actually we had a, a whole new core group that that came that year, so it was uh, it was fun. Tell me a little bit about how early in that process when you guys had the back to back final appearances, did you believe that you guys had something special with you and Kid and the rest of the guys? How how early did you feel like, hey man, we got something here, we got a team that could be a, a title contender? Yeah, I don't know what part of the season it happened, I would say early on. Definitely within that first month of the season because we were winning so many games initially. And um, you know, we had a different style of play than most teams in the especially in the Eastern Conference. You know, we, 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 we transitioned from defense to offense unlike any team. And we did it every night. And we were fast and we were good. And, you know, we had a different offense that we ran. So early, early on, we knew we were going to be really good. And, you know, it was just a matter of pacing ourselves and, and just being consistent. And, you know, Jason Kidd just sort of led by example. And, and we all followed. And it was it was fun. We got along really well. Our, you know, we had no egos in the locker room. It was all about the team, all about winning, and that's fun. 
and that's fun. When you know that you're good, you're winning games, and the core group of guys don't really care about getting stats. We're not thinking about getting paid in our contract. We're just thinking about winning games, and um, and we focused on that. And it was, I mean, wow, it was a, it was a heck of a season. Kerry, so many fans always talk about we. What, the conversation a lot of times talks about legacy and it involves championships, and I always push back on that because I always remind people how difficult it is to win a championship. Like it's it's one of the most difficult things you can ever do in sports, and yeah. for a competitor, you know just how difficult it is. I know you guys went to back to back finals and you came you came up short, but just how hard is it to even get to the finals to be able to play for a championship? Yeah, it is. I mean, so many things have to fall in place um, because professional sports is so competitive. And and when the when the postseason starts, right, when the postseason starts, that's when the rubber really meets the road. And there's so much more strategy involved. There's so much more preparation involved in the regular season. And, um, you know, these coaches are really smart and they have all these different strategies that, that changes the game. Right, and so um, you could be talented, and you could have a great regular season, but you know it doesn't it doesn't mean you're going to win a championship. You got to go out there and win those games. And so, you know, in my era, there was a lot more balance. There's a lot more parity across the NBA. Um, you know, teams were really, really deep, really deep across the board, and um, and then you had a couple of teams that were just dominant teams back then. Obviously. You know, Shaq and Kobe and the Lakers. You know, prior to that, you had obviously Jordan and the Bulls. You had you had uh, Carl Malone and, and, and Stockton and the Jazz, and 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 the Rockets, of course. But then, you know, off comes the Spurs and Tim Duncan, right? The following couple of years, and so very, very, very competitive NBA. And to be in that conversation, to be a team that was, you know, winning conference finals. And being in that conversation and having a small chance to, to compete for a title was fun. You play nine years in the association, eight with the Nets. You get traded when they did that big roster purge. What was that like, leaving the only team that you known to play for? And when did you know that it was time for you to kind of step away from the game that you'd loved so much as a player since you were a child? Yeah, well, we knew that third year, if we didn't win it all, we knew they were going to probably break up our team. Um, and so, um, yeah, that's, that's the best part of sports. I think, you know, in basketball at least, you know, most basketball players know that it's a small window, right? When you have that really, really good team, you know, they give you three years, maybe four at the most. And, you know, that was our third season of really giving it a chance. So I wasn't disappointed. I was, I was very, very fortunate. And, and 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 thankful really for for being a part of a winning franchise that that just that you know we changed the culture of that for that organization. They had been losers for such a long time, and then we came there and went through two NBA finals, and in that third year, um, losing um, in, in in the in the conference uh, semifinals to the um, to the Pistons. So um, that was a good that was a good run for me, and, and you know the the, the Clippers. Um, pursued me and I went finished my career there I knew it was my time you know I, I had you know ling, lingering injuries you know besides the knee and other things that were going on with my body and um, you know listen I, I really wanted to be able to run around and enjoy my children 
and that was something that was important to me. And I wasn't going to allow my love for basketball to, um, you know, not allow me that pleasure as a father. And so um, once the injury started to, you know, come around again, I, I knew my time was up. And it was fun. You know, it was for me, uh, looking back on my career, I was very, very thankful. You mentioned all of it, right? You walked through the high school, the college, and, and the pro uh, experiences. And I could just tell you from, from playing in those experiences and being a part of all those experiences, they were wonderful memories. Um, and I, I have them in my head. I have videotape. I got pictures. I got uh, friends, lifelong friends, throughout all of those experiences. And so um, just just very, very grateful. Kerry, how easy was the transition from being a professional basketball player to being just a dad and, you know, a husband and just a, a normal everyday guy? You're no longer playing uh, basketball. What, what was that transition like uh, for you? And what did you do, you know, in the few years right after you got out of the game? Yeah, so I would say it's, um, it's always a transition, right, whenever you are – a part of something and you're doing it daily, um, whether it's, you know, competing in games or whether it's training and stuff like that, um, to, to now move on to something totally different. So, you know, I, I, I've, I've always um, been open and open-minded to new experiences in life, right? Traveling, um, you know, being in different cultures, um, and also to just looking at myself and just challenging myself to become different in so many ways, to learn about life in so many ways, right? And so I went back to school and got my master's in business because I knew someday I would have my hands in certain in certain businesses, right? I wanted to learn about that. And, um, you know, I explored opportunities with financial groups. I explored other business adventures and, and all of my other personal interests outside of basketball that I've always, um, you know, I've always wanted to focus on. So, um, yeah, it, it was interesting for me to make that transition. And, you know, when you start having a family and you start having kids, then everything else stops, right? You know, you, you focus on that on that aspect of life and being there for your children and, and, and being an involved father. And that's that's been what I've been doing since. Walk me through when you find out, you get the phone call, um, that you being inducted into the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame. All transparency, I'm a voter, Kerry. <laughs> I'm on the committee. Uh, so I, I remember the day fondly when we uh, voted to put you into our Hall of Fame. Uh, what was that like when you got that phone call, though? Yeah, I got the phone call from a longtime um, sports writer um, and uh, from Louisiana. And, 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 and Roe, Roe covered me in high school. I remember him, you know, interviewing me in high school and writing stories. I remember him every time I would go home to New Orleans, he would ask my mom, you know, when Kerry comes, make sure he gives me a call. I want to talk to him. I want to see what's going on with him. And, um, one of the best guys, he, one of the best guys in our business by far. He re- yes, he is by far. Very genuine guy. Um, is authentic and and he appreciates um, athletic excellence in every sport, not just basketball. Every sport, he just appreciates, and he also appreciates the person behind the uniform, 
right? Like he, he admires the people behind the uniform and, and the coaches who are, you know, dressed in suits oftentimes on the sidelines. He admires those people who have influenced us athletes. And, and, and so every conversation I've had with Raul it's, it's been just great conversations about life, sports. He's always asking about what I'm doing outside of sports. He cares about family. And, and, and so when he called and told me that I was going to, to, to the Hall of Fame, it was just like for me, just immediately I'm started thinking about my bitty basketball experiences. Literally, I'm thinking about my my tournaments as a 10-year-old in Generet in New Iberia or Shalmet or wherever, and I'm playing in these 10-year-old bitty basketball tournaments is where, my, is where my brain immediately went when he called me. And I'm thinking about those gyms and those teams and those teammates, my awesome coaches that taught me how to play at 10 years old. They taught us the fundamentals. And um, and then, of course, you knew you, the memories of high school tournaments and college and, and the impact that, you know, I tried to have on, on, the, on the generation after me with, with, with basketball and, and my influence. So, um, you know, I think about the, the players that really helped me get to where I got to. I thought about, about Tori Andrews, who was highly recruited. You asked me about what was it like being recruited. Well, Tori Andrews was two years ahead of me, and he was highly recruited. He wound up going to Rice University. You know, I said Pointer Williams. We had other athletes like Jabbar Jaluk, who was two years ahead of me. He wound up playing football in college. So I had so many people who I, who I looked up to growing up in New Orleans. I really did. I had so many mentors that I could name, list the guys, Darius Mims. I mean, oh, my gosh. So many people who really influenced me to become Kerry Kittles, the basketball player and the person that went off to do great things, right? But, um, yeah, and that's the beautiful thing about these awards and these, these um, recognitions is the time to recognize those people who really influenced me. Kerry, we'll wrap it up with this, brother. June 26th is just going to be here in no time at all. You're going to take the stage there in the Natchitoches Event Center, and you're going to be officially – in uh, inducted into the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame, you know it, it got delayed a year because of COVID nineteen. Uh, we're having not one yep. or two ceremonies, but we're going to get you in, bud. So let me uh, wrap it up with this: How good is it going to feel to be on stage and to receive that honor? And how many friends and family from New Orleans are going to be uh, basically taking over Natchitoches in a few weeks? I've never been there. 
for whatever reason, just haven't been there. So I'm looking forward to being there in, in the Hall of Fame and to then one day um, bring, my, bring my children down um, with me to, to, to see um, the honor and the recognition that the state has, has, has going to give me. So, yeah. Carrie, it's well-deserved. I know you will enjoy uh, yourself. You have to get you a couple meat pies, of course. That's a tradition when you go to Natchitoches. But there you go. Okay. You put in all the work, brother, and and it's a well-deserved honor. Can't wait to see you inducted here in a few weeks up in Natchitoches. And thank you so much for your time going down memory lane, talking about your career from St. Aug to Villanova to the New Jersey Nets and now being inducted into the Hall of Fame. Thank you so much, brother. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Looking forward to it. St. Aug legend, Villanova consensus All-American, Big East Player of the Year, NBA lottery pick, NBA all-rookie team, nine-year vet of the association, and now soon to be a Louisiana Sports Hall of Famer. Congratulations once again to Kerry Kittles. Appreciate Kerry for making the time today. Can't wait to see him inducted in Natchitoches in only a few weeks from right now. If you want to catch any previous episode of the Rap Game Podcast, simply go to 1037thegame.com, click on the Rap Game Podcast tab, and all previous episodes are there archived for your convenience, so make sure to check them out. That's going to do it for this episode. But until next time, be safe out there, be kind to one another. I'll talk to you soon.